0: Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the, uh, for the revelation of what you've called us to do that's in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself in your word, that your word is like a you pouring yourself out on the pages for us to, to find you and to grow closer to you. We thank you for the instruction that's here. We love it, Father God, because we know that your instruction keeps us safe. It keeps us close to your heart and we just rejoice in your word today we thank you that we have the freedom to have it in our homes and in our cars and on our phones we thank you for the freedom that we have to own and have copies of your word all around us because we know across the world there are people who would give anything for that and we just rejoice in your word today we ask you to bless your word to bring Comfort and deliverance and uh, direction to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Psalm 139. I love this psalm. It's one of my favorites. I probably quote from it quite frequently. But one of the things that it says in Psalm 39 in verse 16, it says, your eyes saw my unform, my substance but yet being unformed, and in your book they were all written, the day's fashioned for me, Yet, as yet when there was none of them. I'm trying to read this out of a version that's different from the one I memorized. <laughs> your eyes saw my unformed substance being formed, and before there was ever a day of my life, before I was ever born, You had every day of my life planned out that's what it says you had every day of my life planned out now god has a book in heaven it's called the book of life how many of you have ever heard the book of life god has a book in heaven and in that book god has written down the plan for your life Everybody who's born into this world, every every human being born into this world has a plan for their life, and it's written in the book of life. So nobody comes here without being written in the book of life. The thing is that there are things that can happen to us over the course of our life that cause us to lose sight of the fact that there is a plan. In fact, when you're born, you may, you're born a baby, you may be born into a situation where you've never even heard God's story. You didn't even know about God. You didn't realize that he was there. Maybe you heard about him, but you never knew him. You were never introduced to him as a child. And so you may have grown up the biggest part of your life, but not knowing that there was a plan, always searching. People who don't know that there's a plan for them, they're constantly searching, constantly looking. They're like wandering over the face of the earth, looking to find themselves. How many of you heard somebody say I'm just trying to find myself well you are in the book every single one of us and we're all created uniquely different not only do we all have a very different fingerprint no two people on the face of the earth have the same fingerprint well it's true of the way we're the the creation that we are even though we may have the same motivational gifts as somebody else they're not in exactly the same uh, grouping they don't fit exactly with the personality or that that we have like they do with the personality that that person has every person is unique totally unique and different you're created in God's image but God is multifaceted and God has has uh, you know, pastor's always talking when we do communion. He says, we are that bread. We are the, bo- the broken body of Christ. He he came and he, he knew when he created us that he was going to do this, that his body was going to be broken. In fact, it says in Revelation chapter 13 that from the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. So he was slain before the world was ever created in God's time. That was the first thing he did, because he knew we would need a savior, and he made sure he provided for his children. How many of you provided for your babies before they were born? How many of you had butt cream in the in the drawer before the baby was born? Right? You had all that stuff ready. You had the diapers. You had the wipes. You had the the butt cream. You had everything you were going to need for the baby before it was born, because you knew it was going to be under assault by the elements of this world. <laughs> you knew that if it, if it wet itself that it would need to be changed. You knew all that. And so God knew we were going to need some care. He knew we were going to need the blood of Jesus. He knew there was going to be an assault on us as soon as we entered this world. And so the very first thing he did was provide the cross The cross is the pivotal point of this age. He put the cross on the face of this age before he ever even uh, created the heavens and the earth. The cross was here because he knew we would need it. And he loved us enough and he cared for us. He knew when he was writing the plan for us in his book, he knew that without the cross, we would never be able to accomplish it because he knew we would need him on the inside of us see when he made Adam and Eve he put himself on the inside of them did you know that he created them in the garden everything was good nothing bad had happened yet he was creating the earth all of of the things that are in this uh, natural realm and then he created man and the Bible says he breathed into him and man became a living soul and the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But it was living because God's Spirit was breathed into it. And God's Spirit was what kept Adam in connection with God and kept him in sync with God's plan for him. But as God knew would happen, the serpent came, the enemy came to try and steal away uh, the plan that God had for Adam, because God's plan for Adam was for him to do God's will on this earth. He gave man, he gave him complete dominion over the earth, but he intended for him to operate, uh, to be a, a, a channel of God in this realm to do God's will. And the enemy knew that and he knew if I could just get him, if I can get Control of his dominion then I can do things in this world otherwise he couldn't have done a thing so God's plan for Adam was to function as God's catalyst in this realm and Adam fell to the temptation of, of Satan and when he did that God's spirit departed from him and he was left an empty soul He still had a mind, a will, and emotions. He even had spirit, but it was dead without the spirit of God associated with it. Without the spirit of God in connection with it, his spirit was dead. And so he had no place to get input for his mind, his will, and his emotions. It normally had come from on the inside of him to give him direction and to tell him what to do and all of this, even though he was uniquely an individual He had the Spirit of God on the inside of him, and God was operating through his uniqueness and through the uniqueness of Eve and their children in order to to be able to accomplish his plan on the earth. But when God had to depart from him because God cannot live in the presence of sin, then Adam and Eve no longer had that natural connection with God on the inside of them, so they were lost souls. Her soul was looking for a place to get its input. Now God wasn't far from them. He didn't go far. He just wasn't on the inside of them. And they searched, they found him. He found them, if you will. He said, why are you hiding from me? Because they were hiding from him. Because they figured he would be angry with them. But what they didn't know was from the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. What they didn't realize was that very lamb that was already slain would come through their bodies (laughs) as the son of God that he would actually be born down through the generations as a result uh, of God bringing again the second Adam the Bible calls it in Romans it talks about the first Adam the one that had God on the inside of him and then the second Adam who came to do what the first Adam failed to do and make it possible for all the rest of us to follow it, fall in line. So there is a plan for each one of us. And it is a perfect plan. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God's plan for us is a plan for good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. And that's exactly what God wants for each one of us. God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons his plan for you may not be the same as his plan for me or his plan for the person sitting next to you but he made a plan that was perfect for you and he made you specifically for that plan he created you to fit into the plan that he's called you to accomplish and it doesn't matter whether it's in the, in, in the world's eyes Whether it's an awesome, amazing thing A platform ministry A worldwide ministry Or whether it's raising a child It doesn't matter It doesn't matter what necessarily He's called you to do Each person has a different call The important thing is Is that you find it and you do it And if you accomplish it And you do it and you're you're faithful with what he's called you to do you will be great in the kingdom of God just as great as somebody who was very visible to everybody because again like I said God is no respecter of persons each person is very very valuable to him regardless of the enormity of his plan you may think that a person that has a worldwide ministry might be an enormous person that they're there that the plan God had for them was so much greater but you don't see it the way God sees it because they can touch a lot of lives but what you don't understand is the mother that raised that person probably raised another one <laughs> the mother that raised that person is also touching those lives on top of the ones she touched there and the others that she touched in her life. You understand what I'm saying? So, it's when God's looking at it, he sees it in a whole different realm. So, the again, the thing is to make sure we find out what God's called us to do and we do it with all of our might. We do it as, as unto the Lord with all of our might. I just want to read to you a few things in Psalm 139. It says... O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up, and you understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it you realize that God hedges us do you ever feel hedged see God helps us find our place he helps us because he kind of hedges us he he uh he understands us he comprehends our path that word comprehend means he winnows he winnows our path and our lying down and is acquainted with all of our ways in other words he's push. he's he's taking you in the right direction he's He's hedging you behind and before. He's moving you into what he wants you to do. Whether you're aware of it, whether you're cooperating, or whether you're not. Do you ever watch somebody that's running from God? Let's, let's take Jonah, for example. Jonah was told to go and do something for God, to, to share the, uh, God's message with the, the uh, Ninevites who were rebelling. They were rebellious, stinky, evil people. And Jonah took one look at him and thought, you know, they're not worth my time. I don't wanna do that. So he ran in the other direction. How many of you know Jonah got hedged? Jonah couldn't get away. When God says, I want you to do something, he wants you to do it. And so no matter what you do, He's going to hedge you. <laughs> He's going to hedge you. Some people spend their whole life being hedged. It's so much easier to just go with him. But some people spend their whole life running and being hitched. So you run into brick wall here, and then they run into a brick wall there, and then they run this way, and they run that way. They get swallowed by a fish here, and they get thrown up over there, you know. And it's just... Their whole life is a disaster because God's having to hedge them to get them to the place where they need to go. Now, there's a thing about God that is so amazing, and that is He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. So before He was ever plan before He ever planned our lives and put it in His book, wrote the plan in His book, He already knew all the mistakes we would make. He already knew all the things that would happen to us that would harm us or cause trouble to us. He knew all of that. In fact it says in Psalm 568, look there. Psalm 568, I thought this was so amazing. It says you number my wanderings? Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? See, God already knew you were going to wander. He already knew that there were going to be tears in your life, that there were going to be things that happened to you that brought pain, dismay, and discouragement, and confusion. He knew that. He wrote it into He didn't make it happen. It happens because we live in a fallen world. It happens because we are fallen fallen people and we're not perfect and we make mistakes. It happens because we don't follow his lead. Sometimes we run in the other direction. He knew Jonah was going to end up in the belly of a fish. He wrote it in the plan before Jonah was ever born. Did he decide that should be what Jonah did? No, Jonah decided that. You see, Some religions believe that we don't have a choice of whether we're going to become Christians or not, that we're predestined. That only certain people are chosen and predestined. And they got it right.
1: The only thing is,
0: they missed the part where we choose to be chosen. We make the choices. Today, we hold our destiny in our hands. We're making the choices today about what God had to work with when he made our plan. The choices that we make today, the choices that we make tomorrow, the choices that we make next year or next decade are are decided are, are already in God. He's already knows what they are. That doesn't mean he made you make those choices. It means he knew you would because of the fact that he knows the end from the beginning so when he was making the plan he's always looking for the best way to orchestrate all of this Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers it happened for the most part because he was prideful and arrogant and cocky and because his brothers were mean but he kind of brought some of it on himself God had a plan already in place, that this, he knew this would happen. Did he plan for it to happen? Did God say this is the way it should be? No. Joseph and his brothers made the choices that they made, but God took what happened and he formed it into the most perfect plan he could make. And Joseph ended up saying to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. See, God is the most amazing planner. God is, I don't know, we used to have some guy that taught us about different stratums of of smart people. There are people on different levels of the ability to plan. Some people can plan today and tomorrow. I'm kind of one of those people. And some people can plan for a year. And some people can plan for a lifetime. Some people can plan just their own life, and other people can plan multifaceted things. You know, they can plan things all over the place. But God, God can plan through the ages. God can plan so amazingly. He he fully understands everything when He's putting the plan together. When He put the plan together for you, What would happen to you in the course of your life he knew what decisions you would make he knew what decisions would be made about you he knew what troubles you would have and he put them in his plan it says and he wasn't callous about it either your wanderings are written in his book and the tears that you shed he keeps in a bottle somehow he gets that in the book he said that he gathers the tears in a bottle and he puts them in the book. And he's a God who loves you and adores you and wants you to be a part of the plan that he has. And we have to realize that it, the plan that God put together incorporates all of us. You know, each one is individual. Each person is individual. Each person God is so keenly aware of, and he he's so intimate with us that he keeps track of the number of hairs on our head and it doesn't matter whether you think that there are people out there they think God doesn't even know where I'm at he doesn't even care about me and sometimes we we know that God knows us and we, he loves us but we lose sight of the fact that the person in the gutter the person on the side of the road with the sign begging for money God loves that person and has, can, has is keenly aware of what's going on with them. He's got their tears in the bottle. He's got a plan for their life. Sometimes we can get prideful in the knowledge that we are special to God and we lose sight of the fact that again he's no respecter of persons. He loves us all. And the plan that he has for us as a church incorporates us all. And his intention is that there would be more of us in this church. Not just this church, but the church worldwide. That the church would reach the ends of the earth. That it would be his glory. The Bible says his glory would cover the ends of the earth. As the waters cover the sea. God wants those people. He wants them in his camp. He want, he's got a plan for them. It's in his book. Just like yours is And we have to find our plan That's where we find joy That's where we find peace If you're looking for peace Or looking for happiness and happiness When you're in God's plan Happiness is Depends on what part of the plan You're working on But joy It doesn't matter Whether happiness is there or not Joy will carry you through Joy is your strength joy of knowing that you're in sync with the God who created you you were created to be a part of him, in fact he's calling, he talks about in several places in the Bible, he talks about he's calling us all in all that he would be all in all God wants to be in you he wants to be in your brother or sister in Christ, he wants us to be in sync with one another speaking the same thing, believing the same thing Working together toward the accomplishment of his plan. And that's where we find peace and that's where we find joy. Jesus had a plan, he was written in the book. Look in uh, Psalm 40. Again with verse 7. This is a psalm of David And David often sp- speaks prophetically uh, The words of the Messiah And he says then I, then, then I said Behold I come in the scroll of the book It is written of me I delight to do your will Oh my God And your law is within my heart I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness In the great assembly Indeed I do not restrain my lips O Lord you yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Look at Luke chapter 4 where Jesus was, was at the synagogue and he picked up the book of Isaiah and he opened it and he read. He found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes were on him in the synagogue. And he said, today in your hearing, the Scriptures is fulfilled. See, he knew he was in the book. And I think that book that's in heaven that has all of our plans in it is very, is connected to this book. I think there's a, there's a multifaceted aspect to this book that we, we can't even begin to get our heads around. But I think that we find ourselves in the book. In fact, we find ourselves in the scriptures about Jesus because we too are called to do the very things that he was called to do. He paved the way for us. He shed his blood so that we could be purified so that the Spirit of God could come back and live on the inside of us. The Spirit of God couldn't have come back on the inside of us had we not been delivered from our sin because the Spirit of God cannot be in the presence of sin. So God's Spirit now can live on the inside of us and now we have restored to us that connection with our soul. It says in John chapter 1, verse 12, that to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. And in Romans chapter 8, I think verse 14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There are a lot of people out there who are Christians who have the power to become, but they are not becoming. Because they have the spirit of God on the inside of them their spirit is renewed their spirit is restored but they got so used to getting their input for their mind, their will and their emotions from everything else around them that they haven't they haven't worked on the the ability to get it from the spirit of God on the inside of them they haven't learned to listen they haven't learned to follow his lead They're still, they have the power to become, but they live carnal lives. They live just like the world. They're led by the same things the world is led by. and They get sidetracked and they forget that there's a plan for them or maybe they never really fully understand there's a plan for them. And the plan involves being connected to the Spirit of God on the inside of you so that you can be led by the Spirit of God and you can follow the plan. And that involves time with him. You know, I wonder how many Christians do all the stuff that the church offers. They go to this and they go to that and they do this and they do that. They even read their Bible in the morning and they say a few prayers. But if you ask them, do you know Jesus? I have them. Sometimes I have people, they come to me and they ask me questions and I think, Do you do you know Jesus? Did you ask him? What did he tell you? And they look at me like a cow in a new gate. What do you mean did I ask Jesus? I came to ask you. You're the preacher. You know, you're the pastor. You tell me what Jesus says. No. This is not a Catholic church. You have Jesus on. The, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. I don't tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. He's on the inside of you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you and hedge you <laughs> into the plan that He has for you. And he, He's hedging you because He loves you. He's hedging you because He need He He's. He has a big plan, and you're a part of it, and then without you, there's a hole. That's why, you know, when we talk about, we take communion, and the Bible says that if we discern the body of Christ, if we don't discern it properly, that as we receive communion, that many are sick and weak because of that. And I don't think it's because they don't look and see if there's sin in their life and not take communion because there's sin in their life. I think it's because they don't rightly understand. I'm a part of this. And they're not giving their supply. And because they're not giving their supply, they're not in the flow. And if you're not in the flow, you're going to start dying. If you're not in the place that God created for you to be, if you're not in sync with with what He's called you to do, you're going to begin to. You're going to begin to die, at least spiritually, That sometimes it even affects your body. Stress is a huge effect on our body. And you know what stresses you more than anything in the world? And that's being out of sync with God. You can go through all kinds of things when you're in sync with God. You're fine. But when you're out of sync with God, you're in a constant state of stress because you're doing something you're not created to do. And you're not doing what you were created to do. Look in Revelation chapter 3. First look in Luke chapter 10. In this this scripture, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus has just appointed seventy. The seventy, he had seventy disciples at one point. It it dwindled later, but at this point, he had seventy disciples, and he had just empowered them, and anointed them, and appointed them to go out, and uh, and and go out into the harvest, and. And preach to the lost, and to heal them, and to teach them about God's kingdom. That the kingdom of God is there with them. And so they had gone out, and they came back, and they were rejoicing because the demons. uh, It it says, uh, Jesus. It said the seventy returned with joy in verse seventeen, and the Lord even. And He. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were so excited about what they could do in the name of christ and he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven behold i give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you which is amazing and he said nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in It's not about what we can do. It's not about the power that we have. It's not about any of that. That's a a side thing. It's about the fact that we are written in the book of life. We have a plan that's there for us. It's right there for us to follow. That's something to rejoice about. That no matter where you're at, in this whatever season of your life you're in, the cool thing is that God knew you would be here and he's got a plan from right now. Even if you messed up all the way through, makes me think about the thief on the cross. There were two of them, one on each side. When they first crucified Christ, the Bible says that they both were, uh, they both were, were making fun of him and calling him names. And just with the crowd, they were doing the same thing the crowd was doing. They were, uh, you know treating him badly at some point during the course of that day one of the thieves had a revelation and he stopped chiding the Lord and he actually said to Jesus when you come into paradise remember me and Jesus said this day you'll be with me he said when you come into your kingdom remember me Jesus said this day you'll be with me all he had to do was take one step and he found himself right in the perfect will of God for him how can that be the perfect will of God for him because all he'd ever done all his life was make mistakes he was disgusting by our standards he was hanging on the cross right beside Jesus and and know abusing him verbally along with the crowd at one point but all of a sudden he made a change and lo and behold there was a plan for him because the Alpha and the Omega knew he would make that change before he was ever born he made a plan and this was the plan that that man would proclaim to the world from that point on that it's never ever too late to make a good choice. And if you make one good choice and start moving in the right direction from there, that there is a plan for you, a perfect plan, a plan for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That man had a future and a hope. That man is in heaven today. The other one chose not. What he chose was to be blotted out of the book of life. You see, you can by your dis, by your by your disobedience to God and by your negligence of God, you can seal the plan so that you can't connect with it. I don't have time to get that scripture, but you can read it. I'll tell you where it's at. You actually can seal the plan so that you can't connect with it. That is in isaiah 29 around verse 11 isaiah 29 it talks about us being blind to the plan and it's because we're in disobedience and we're not in sync with the holy spirit we're carnal we're we're not being led by the spirit of god and we can be out of sync with the plan and we can be blind to it and we want to look for it we can't find it because we're not completely surrendered to christ see when we surrender to christ it's all or nothing salvation is free but it cost you your whole life it costs you everything because salvation is virtually an exchange it's not it's your life for his you, you lay down your life and he gives you his life And what a good plan that is I remember there was a flood several years ago over in eastern North Carolina and there was a little town Full of shanties, uh, very very poor, poverty stricken town, and they just lived in in trailers and you know old housing, dilapidated housing, and a flood came through and just washed the whole thing and just wiped it out. These people were dest they were destitute. They were crying out, you know, and they were so upset because their stuff was gone, and. Uh, the HUD people or somebody came in and they brought these nice buildings and they put them up they were you know they weren't mansions but they were clean and they were new and and they were air conditioned and all this stuff and those people were whining because they wanted their stuff back I remember thinking what is wrong with you people you know let it go for heaven's sakes they were in the mud trying to dig out stuff when they were getting new stuff and they were trying to dig out their old dilapidated nasty stuff because it had sentimental value get rid of the sentiment don't hang on to your old messy stuff because you're just going to be a carnal Christian if you do that it's all or nothing with Jesus Give him all; he gives you everything, and you'll never want for anything. If you hold on to something, the Bible says, if you hold, if you, if you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. And if you lose your life for His sake, you'll have eternal life. You'll gain it, and that's what it's all about. The plan, the plan that He has for you, is. That we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live but he lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us, gave himself for us, lives inside of us and tells us which way to go every day. And we don't have to make all those decisions anymore. All we have to do is follow his lead and be obedient to him. But I am concerned because when I read in Revelation chapter 3... I read about the church that is dead, Sardis, and it talks about, it says, be watchful in in verse 2, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and repent, and therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour I will come upon you. What do you think he's talking about? He's coming as a thief, and they're not going to know that he's coming. He's coming to take. There's a time. Jesus is coming back for his church. I don't know when it's happening. We don't know when it's happening. Even Jesus, I don't think, knows when it's happening. The Father knows when he's going to send him to come and get us. But he's coming back for us, and he's going to take us. He's going he's to take us away. When our job is done, when we're finished, He's coming for us. And it can happen any day. I think we have a lot to do. There are a lot of people that are lost. There are a lot of people that need to know, that need to know about the kingdom. You know, Jesus sent those 70 out and they were so thrilled that that the devils obeyed them. he said just be glad that your name is written in heaven but you know they didn't pay attention to what he said because when things got a little tough they left they just wandered away they had healed the sick and they focused on the healing of the sick and they focused on the power that they had but they didn't focus on the plan that God had for their life so when tough times came they couldn't stick with it stuck with him even when he was crucified they even ran a little bit only John stayed and watched from a distance but God the Alpha and the Omega he knew all the things they would do and I don't doubt that some of those 70 came back in the days ahead after the crucifixion and after all that Jesus appeared to 500 people after his resurrection and I'm sure many of those people repented and came back even though they had run away from their responsibility God wants us to be aware of our responsibility he wants us to hang in here with him this time is coming to an end this age is coming to an end we've got very short period of time and I believe that we're getting ready to see a massive revival In this earth, not just in this nation, but in this earth, I believe we're going to see a massive revival. I think it's already underway, but we don't want to be out of sync with God, especially at this time. We need to all be on board, and when he comes, you don't want him to come as a thief, so you don't see him come. When he came for Noah, Noah knew he was coming. He was ready. When he came to save him and pull him out of the flood, Noah was ready. He had his ark ready. He was prepared. He'd been obedient. Even in the face of ridicule, he was ready. We've got to be ready when Jesus comes. And we've got to be, we've got to have the ark full. (laughs) We've got to be getting those souls in and getting them saved. Jesus said to this church he said you have over you have he who overcomes shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels You see Jesus the only reason your name would be blotted out is if you just didn't do your job you just didn't It's not that you're you're saved by works. It's that when you're saved, works abound. (laughs) When you're saved, when you're really connected with God and you're doing what He wants you to do and you're in sync with Him, the works, they're just a fruit of that. But if you don't finish, you know, here are the people in this church that were potentially going to be blotted out. They didn't turn and pay attention to what was going on and do their part. And so when he does come, I hope there'll be nobody in the sanctuary on Sunday morning wondering where everybody else is. And I'm very serious about that. Because it's not our life anymore, it's his we accepted his forgiveness and we accepted his redemption for us it was a trade it wasn't I get to go on living my life my way and now I've got heaven it was a trade my life for his and if you're making decisions based on what you want to do with no regard for him this is a warning to be leading you he's willing to do it all you have to do is ask him and he will direct you he may tell you to go to Nineveh you may not want to go Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't think those people would repent he thought they were going to go to hell anyway and you know some of them did but he went and they repented for a season. They didn't repent for long. So don't don't measure whether you obey God on the results that you get with people. Measure whether you obey God on whether you, do you really love him? Or are you going to do what he says? He's got a big plan and you can't see the end of it. Just do it one step at a time. Do what he says. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God we just search our hearts and we ask you to show us the areas where we put ourselves ahead of you that we put our own agenda ahead of your agenda the areas where sometimes we even come very close to being like a Judas where we're trying to coerce you into doing what we think is the right thing to do instead of seeking your face and following you And sometimes we're cowardly like Peter, because we've not been in close connection with you, we thought we were on. We we thought we were in a position that we really weren't in, in terms of our committedness to you. We've perceived ourselves to be far more committed than we truly are. Lord, it says at the end of Psalm 139 that we, that the psalmist asked that you would search his heart see if there's any wicked way in him and lead him in the way everlasting. Lord, we ask you to do that for us today. We lift our hearts to you and we say, search us, O God. And see if there's any wicked way in us. Lead us in the way everlasting. Point out the things that we need to deal with. Point out the areas where we're not being obedient to you. Point out the areas where we're not surrendered fully to you. we're we're calling the, the shots for ourselves in this little arena right here. You can have everything else, but this is mine. Lord Jesus, don't let us have any of those places. Reveal them to us. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. Help us to stay in sync with you all the days of our life. And we thank you for that book. We thank you for the book of life. We thank you that we're written there. And we ask you, Lord, to give us the strength, the power, the authority, and the wisdom to stay there in Jesus' name.